heat. Oh, it's Tom. episode seven, one, two. That means yeah. it's the end of our seventh season. Can you believe it? <laughs> oh, I cannot believe it. I won't believe it. <laughs> uh, this yeah. season has gone by so fast. Too fast, some would say. Too fast, for sure. For how, sure. I don't know how it went by so fast. Did we forget to record a bunch of episodes? <laughs> it feels like like we did one, two, and three, maybe four, and then now it's seven, twelve. And now it's seven, and twelve. Just there are like eight episodes in there we just didn't do. What have you learned from this season? I've learned that it is possible sometimes to run out of things to talk about. So you talk about the same things again. And I'm not talking about you. I'm talking you about how absolutely talking I'm not about me. I'm not. I'm talking about how. Why would you bring that up? We with have my memory problems. We have mentioned that uh, I've had to start looking in Coda each time. Coda right. is this sort of spreadsheet thing behind yeah. the scenes that we use to navigate and um, keep the architecture of our podcasts. And every time I've started doing something, I'm like, oh, <laughs> we talked about this. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I know it. That is a that is the thing that I I thought we would get to right around season three, though. So right, it has the fact lasted that we're feeling that longer. way at season seven, where I feel like that's a win, a, yeah, a solid win, agreed for us. Yeah. Do you have anything else that you'd like to look back on on this season before we start this final episode, ultimate episode? Well, I want to know if you have thought about stowaways and wheel wells at all. <laughs> Was that this season? That feels yeah. like seasons ago. <laughs> I know. I know. No, we did. Uh, the lost you know, that episode. Was, I, that was a lost episode. And so that was the episode we liked so much. We did it twice. Um, <laughs> that's one that has stuck with me. Yep. Uh, face mites have stuck with me. That was like a, oh, that was a horrible thing. Yep. Face mites that had a video go along with it. I was not thrilled with that. Nope. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think in terms of, you know, the things that have really stuck with me, the the biggest one, the one that keeps paying dividends every single week because it's so hot in the news right now is uh, AI and machine creativity. Right. right? We've I feel like we were ahead of the game as far as that's concerned. Oh, we were anxious about this long ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now did you see the latest news. I mean, just this week as we record this, or maybe San it was just late last week. Are you talking about San Francisco? No, what's going on in San Francisco? Oh, Ro about the robots with robots with explosives. Yeah. That yeah. They've cleared the yeah, robots to kill people. What were you talking about? They what? passed it. They passed that. Yeah. No, I was actually now you've made my thing look uh, really trivial. Oh, I'm is sorry. The problem. Uh, I'll say it anyway. It's that uh, a lot of these services like these notes apps like Notion and uh, uh, Craft and uh, they, they've now built in machine learning thinking into the app. So you can say like um, in craft or notion, you can say, um, I want to brainstorm five things that I should do for my anxiety. And it will go out and machine learn five things and print them out. And and so the, oh. the idea is you are using this AI tool to help you brainstorm. But really, you've just used an AI tool to write a blog post like that's. Huh. It's using the computer to write stuff for you. And that's, I find that so scary. Like yeah. I, I really struggle with wrapping that. So we've been talking about that, like as a, as a theme over the course of, of several shows this season, we've talked about AI artwork. We talked about the podcast that podcasts itself. Uh, and, and, uh, like all of these things I think are really terrifying. What about you? Um, I'm, I've learned that there doesn't seem to be any end of 
sharing embarrassing things that I've done. <laughs> That's the well that is just so much deeper than I thought it was. Because you know, I talked so about funny, sidewalk like, curbs yeah. and how I don't know how to negotiate them uh, when I'm walking to and from weddings and throughout weddings. Exactly. Uh, that has become yeah. so central to my understanding of your character this season <laughs> that it's like the the walking joke of yeah. Tom is that he only goes to weddings on foot. I only go to weddings <laughs> and, on foot. And occasionally we'll find them. And I'm running and around does, tearing high heels off of women because I think that ready. I think they're being attacked. <laughs> Whether yeah. they want to wear the shoes or no, not. They're like, it's empowering. And I'm like, you're lying. And he screams. Down with the patriarchy. Exactly. <laughs> so so yeah. all of those. Things, yeah, I actually think I, in terms of things that stick with me, um, these are the this set of anxieties, listener submission and our own are some of the weirdly heavier ones that we've talked about yeah. on this show. Uh, and of course, like the memory one for me is so like that's that's probably a yeah. like personally the the big one because I'm I'm just deeply scared of that of just losing my memory <laughs> and losing, not losing memory. my facility sure and so to to be able to demonstrate it so many times this season <laughs> is uh yeah it's a real treat yeah you're losing your memory and i can't lose certain memories fast enough <laughs> right <laughs> right never forget yeah. never remember uh on on that end uh we are i mean i think going forward are we're doing are we going to do more podcasting we are going to do more podcasting but avid mm -hmm. listeners there is a chance mm -hmm. there are some pretty big changes coming down the pike i don't know how much we want to talk about it because i don't no, know how much I, we figured out <laughs> we, <laughs> we don't know but i do think it's important to know we're going to change up the the show just a little bit it'll still be me and tom and also now joe rogan and mm -hmm. we're going to do a show the three of us except for the joe rogan part yep and so it'll be just the two of us and uh we're gonna just change some things up in in how we think about and learn about these uh the the <laughs> anxieties and emotions Many, and yeah just the things the about broad spectrum being human yeah so of, we think that uh human, we yeah. will have more information about that coming up but it will be the same podcast but also very different and every episode will be sponsored by ivermectin so we're really <laughs> looking forward to our new sponsor <laughs> Uh, but we will have some of our uh patented uh bonus episodes and i can't remember you told me uh what we're doing for our food related one what was it oh, i've already forgotten i forgot too um we were sitting in it we actually you came up for thank the thanksgiving weekend yes. and stayed with other people and gave me two hours of your time was it hot was sauces so generous <laughs> was it <gasps> was it, it hot, was sauces? hot sauces i think it was yeah. hot sauces yeah and we if we're able to find ones oh, or i'll buy yep. them and send half of them to you I don't even know how that would work, but that, let's, we'll find I it. I think we you, can figure I think it out. Probably, do you think it's because you'll get hotter hot sauces than me? Is that what you're saying? Um, I know that there are just like dedicated, they're just hot sauce shops here. Yeah. Where it's like a huge, and I, I don't know I if don't you have know, those there. I have no hot sauce shop. Yeah. <laughs> hot sauce shop. Yeah. You know who also might probably want to be involved? Our drinky drink compatriot. Mandy loves oh. hot sauces. So we can Does she really? It. She does. Um, Kind of got it. She didn't. She didn't like a movie that I like a lot, and I'm kind of mad at her because of it. Which and movie? 2001. No, Spirited. Your favorite movie. Sing, Sing Along Gang. She didn't like Spirited? Spirited? Yeah, she said, eh, okay. And her boys didn't like it. They she, they were actively active no. antagonists, and I, I don't care for it. Well, she's. The I feel like she's a little broken now. 
in my head. So I understand. So we'll think about it. <laughs> okay. Do you want to do a real show? Yes. You feel alive, let's hit the dance floor. Don't work too hard, my break a backbone. Return to the Mac, the king is back though. Corvette and cash, I never like those. She saw the stone, you know how that go. Fatality, my diamonds that cold. Versace trunks, I hit my backstroke. Knock on the door. She at the back, bro. Welcome to What's That Smell? A sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Tommy Metz the third. And I'm Pete Wright, the first. And every week, well, this is the last one, we each drag one of our deepest, <laughs> darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. This is the last episode of season seven. And as we mentioned in the cold open, there are going to be some pretty exciting changes coming. But in the meantime, feel free to reach out to us at any time at what's that smell.net. If you want to show, uh, tell us something that you're worried about, tell us something that you're going through. Anything and everything is possible now in the weird world of what's that smell becoming. So you never know. You might just give us a good idea for what the hell we're going to do with the show next. Yes. So and we will 100% ideas, not give you credit <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, so give us all your I ideas think... uh, do not put them in an envelope and mail them to yourself <laughs> they are ours forever and ever but this is still classic what's that smell and Pete with all that I'll go first Peter, you know what? I'm not tired of talking about COVID. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not really going to talk about COVID that much, but I wanted to bring use COVID to bring something up, to ask you an okay. honest question. Apart okay. from the horrific physical symptoms you personally went through, if you had to pick one thing about this entire COVID-19 pandemic that bothered you or upset you the most, what would it be? Because I know what it is for me, but I want to know what it is for you. Vaccine. Uh... The whole, not even just vaccine hesitance, but the whole dialogue on vaccines. Oh, you mean like people not, oh, okay. Science laying something I, because, down and then. Yeah. Because I was, uh, and, and it all happened because I was very sick before the vaccine and to have been sick when the vaccines came out to have people say, eh, I don't think I want to. People who knew me and knew I lost a month of my life plus a year after, like, I was of, of long COVID symptoms. Uh, I found that very offensive. That was a struggle. I get it. That must, so, I didn't think about that part of it for you, but of course, yeah. well, guess what? That has exactly everything to do with what I'm talking about because oh, without more of a lead up, I want to talk about what I thought was the worst part about the COVID-19 pandemic that we're still sort of going through. And okay. it, I think it brushes very nicely up to yours. It is the phrase anti-intellectualism. Anti-intellectual in America, Pete. Have you heard of this idea before? Yes. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> you sound why, jazzed. Why does it? But because. Uh, okay. So how did this come up for you? Well, first of all, what what is it? I'm so curious how this is our topic for today. Because this, the COVID lockdown pandemic the Trump administration's response, so many people still brought it all into the light about how yeah. this remarkably American kind of idea that has been around yeah. for forever can actually kill people. 
And it did right. kill people. Now, for those that don't know, a current working definition of anti-intellectualism is a social attitude that systematically undermines science-based facts, academic and institutional authorities, and the pursuit of theory and knowledge. The very first time that this was very seriously studied was in 1963, uh, 1964, when uh, Richard Hofstetter uh, won the Pulitzer Prize for nonfiction for anti-intellectualism. Intellectualism. Now, if I ever misspeak or get a word wrong, I'm going to feel like a real yeah. thumbed up. Um, <laughs> in that book, he says that the, the assumptions of anti-intellectualism are that intellectuals are pretentious, conceited, and snobbish very likely immoral, dangerous, and subversive. The plain sense of the common man is an altogether adequate substitute for, if not actually much superior to, former knowledge and expertise. I hate all of that idea. Yeah. I yeah, don't understand the fear of science. I don't understand the uh, shunning of the elite, unless you talk about like the gross elite like the aforementioned Musks and those people. But I don't really call them the elite. They're just incredibly rich. There, And I think that's a different issue, like the changing tide of like breaking down the hero myth that comes from wealth, which deserves to be broken down deeply. Right. Right. We should not make those heroes. But teachers, yep. professors, yep. Uh, researchers, scientists, doctors, uh, those who have spent a great part of their lives through privilege and hard work, mm -hmm. right? Uh, oh. Some combination thereof um, are the, that those voices would be mistrusted, distrusted by stereotype right. is problematic. Right. Right. That is problematic because you can be elite and not an intellectual. Right. <laughs> Those two things don't have to go hand in hand. Correct. And uh, and I think that's a that became a real problem that um, and, and I don't I don't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it. It makes me very, very frustrated. Um, can I continue to break it down a teeny bit more? Yeah. Uh, Please, because in, sorry, in 19, no, not at all. That was perfect. In 1991, there was a professor named Daniel Rigney who broke open the Hofstetter model of his book mm -hmm. and named three distinct types of anti-intellectualism. This is Daniel Rigney. Number one, and this is sort of where a lot of this started, but religious anti-rationalism, uh, re rejection oh, of sure. reason, logic, and fact in favor of emotions, morals, and religious absolutes. Why I say this is sort of where it started is. Um, the roots of anti-intellectualism can be drawn all the way back to uh, the first European settlers in America, that they were mm -hmm. evangelical Protestants. Anti-education rhetoric became a really common response to things because mm -hmm. they wanted to keep everything as religious and pure as possible. Um, there was a evangelical preacher back in the day uh, that I found this quote, I do not read any book unless it will help me to understand the only book that matters. And that's yeah. the Bible. Perfect. I love it. No notes. Um, so anyways, <laughs> Daniel Rigney, it's the number one is religious anti-rationalism. Number two, populist anti-elitism, which is rejection of elite institutions, as well as those categorized within the social and or intellectual elite, like you said, professors or old money mm -hmm. politicians. That's sort of good and bad. And then third, unreflective instrumentalism, which I think <laughs> is a cool name for this podcast. Belief that the pursuit <laughs> of theory and knowledge is unnecessary unless it can be wielded for practical means, like profit. And that's where America shows up. 
because throughout our yeah. history, we have spent so much time schools cutting arts programs, schools cutting. Um, uh, what did I graduate from? Arts, the College of Arts and Crafts, liberal arts, liberal arts education uh, <laughs> that instead, you know, uh, instead of trying to like really focus on trades and things yeah. that will have money. Um Things that will have money, that will lead to money. Oh, now I'm sounding so anti-intellectual. Um, while researching this, I found something that I think I kind of knew, but hadn't really put it together. I think I thought, without thinking about it too much, that anti-intellectualism was mostly about stubborn dummies really digging in their heels. Something mm -hmm. that's important to note, and this is where it gets really scary, and this is where a lot of the anxiety comes from, anti-intellectualism, especially now, is being wielded by those with power, like in Congress, yeah. in the House, yeah. as a means to uphold the systems that benefit them. So they're pushing mm -hmm. anti-intellectualism because it helps them stay on top. And so that's like a but, smart, that is a poorly motivated, smart anti-intellectualism. Yeah. You didn't think that dumbness could have a motive, but it does. Yeah, yeah. And because of the nature of the argument, it is unassailable because... Anyone who comes in and says, like, this entire class of experience is being manipulated is immediately comes back as, well, you, of course, that's what an intellectual would say. That's what the elite right. would say. Right. Right. You can't you can't test it because the people who are manipulating the message have such an easy back pocket retort, which is you must be elite journalist, you know, whatever, like you're, yeah, you're you condescending to the real Americans. Yeah. 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 And they can see through you. So you better go away. Right. And it's <laughs> like, I, I really struggle with that. Things like this on um, this is from this is June 3rd, 2021. I don't know if you know this, but the state of Utah has been dealing with a significant drought. OK, as is the West. Right. Says hey, oh. Oregon to California. Yeah. Um, this is from the Utah Governor Spencer J. Cox, like, official website. Official website, Tom. Oh, no. Blue checkmark. Dateline. Dateline. June 3rd, 2021. Governor Spencer J. Cox is inviting all Utahns to join him in praying for rain to relieve our state no, from no. the current drought. Pray for rain. Quote, I've already asked all Utahns to conserve water by avoiding long showers, fixing leaky faucets, and planting water-wise landscapes, but I fear those efforts alone won't be enough to protect us, Governor Cox said. We need more rain, and we need it now. We need some divine intervention. That's why I'm asking Utahns of all faiths to join me in a weekend of prayer, June 4th through the 6th. Official website. Tom, I don't know what to do with stuff like that. I know. I don't know what to it makes my brain break. It reminds me like I I don't I don't know if it rained on June 6th. I don't know right. if it rained, but I do know this, Utah's still in a drought. Right. Uh and so if it has rained at all since June 6th in Utah, I guarantee you it was a coincidence, but I can't prove that. Right. Can't prove coincidence. Right. Uh but I can harken back to that wonderful support bit you did this season about the people listening to their cult leader be wrong about the second coming oh, right. or whatever. Yeah. That was amazing. Like cameras <laughs> on as people hear that he's a fraud yep. uh, because In real time. Time, that was amazing. Like those are the kinds of tests I want to celebrate more of. Like, let's just say uh, as rationalists, whatever, like, let's just say, let's just test a lot of these things. And, and, 
I, it's, I, I struggle with it because yeah. it's so easily dismissed by, by people who feel very, very strongly right. about it. These ideas. The interesting thing about that, I bet those same people would laugh at the idea of a rain dance, like a right. Native American rain dance. They'd be like, "What? Yeah. That's stupid." Yeah. So yeah, how primitive. Yeah. Right. So instead, let's send our thought lasers up into the clouds. <laughs> and that will, I don't. I'm not. I don't mean to be making light of prayer in general, but when it's being applied by the government for a specific yeah. thing, no, it's. Because it is, it's pandering. It's not really dealing with the cause in the way or the dealing with the problem in a way that is necessary. It deals in shame. You you then suddenly, if you don't pray for rain, then you are shamed because of it. You must not be in alignment with the, the Vox Populi. And um, um, there was an and, uh, but now I've lost it. I was fired up about the Vox Populi. <laughs> I use some Latin. I enjoyed the phrase. Thread. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not going away. And I think it maybe seems even more like I was saying, being used by people in power. It is being amplified mm -hmm. so much yes. by really yes. not that many people. But boy, those people are really loud. Yeah. And we only yeah. know they're. Yeah. And so, I mean, that goes along with trolling. That goes along with. Gaslighting. gaslighting. This is all gaslighting yeah. we've talked about. I'm, I mean, it's all a form of gaslighting. So I no, I'm right with you. And it, it started to you could feel it being tested. I don't teach in higher ed anymore, but I my colleagues who still do um, are talking about like the long arc, the long ride toward anti-intellectualism and how it is impacting even current students in classes right now. Mm. Uh, it has it has fomented a sort of uh, entitlement culture that says, look, I know I'm a student in your class, but the power dynamic is going to change now because I'm paying the bill here. So I don't think you're going to give me a C. I think I'm going to fight for every A I can get because I'm paying your salary and you're not better than me. Like that, that sort of oh, vibe that's really is making its way in, into the classroom at a higher rate, rather than just like, if you feel strongly about this, don't go to college, don't go to higher education. There are lots and lots of very lucrative careers out there that don't require a college education. Right. Lord knows we need, we, it would be great if we could self-select out of college. And God, last night, my wife comes in the kitchen. She's like, maybe I'll be a an electrician. What would you think about that? I'm like, please, let's be <laughs> electricians. Yeah. Like that is, there is a real career and future there. And, um, and so it, I, I really struggle with the, the treatment of the, the people who are now stereotyped as the elite, which is not true. They've right. just read a lot of books. Yeah. They found a passion and they went for it. Right. And that's right. something to be celebrated. I don't. Well, yeah. yeah, and and the fact that it's it is turned into like such a deeply damaging front, right? And and it was I don't know that we were I I don't I mean I know there that this was a a thread in the public consciousness, but not until the vaccines did it become so uh, poisonous, right? Well, because it became almost tribalism. Your yeah. badge right. is. You're not saying anti-intellectualism. You cannot spell anti-intellectualism, but they're, you're banding together. That's your gang. And that becomes yeah. really your identity of right. the don't look up generation. But you know what's interesting? Like, I even think that is 
is is maybe too broad sure. because I know a lot of people who wear that sort of con- conspiracy theory badge um, proudly mm-hmm. and consider themselves strong researchers and independent thinkers and uh, and we disagree on many many things and because of the level of research that they have done in the you know the things that they think about all day long i am not equipped to have arguments debate on on certain subjects like i don't i i don't like for example and this this i think puts me in a particular category i didn't do an ingredient research deep dive into the flu vaccine I know that there is some there has been concern over what they put in the flu vaccines. I get that that's the but bazillions of people get flu vaccines every year mm-hmm. and we seem to be doing okay. And yet there are people that I could have that argument with who would say, "Did you know they put this and that and this and that and this and that?" No, I didn't. <laughs> and also, I'm really feeling pretty good and I don't have the flu. Right. So, like I those does that make sense? Like those I can't I'm not equipped to have arguments with people who are so expertly educated in their positions that they're in willing their to positions. fight about it. That's the yeah, because right. you can just pick and choose whether they know they're picking and choosing, especially if they're getting their things from Google or YouTube. It's very possible that they are in a rabbit hole and do not know Yeah, that the algorithm right. will keep finding things. It just wants you to stay there. And so if you, you keep looking at A, it'll keep giving you A instead of B. Yeah. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that they've seen it all the way around. And But they've just seen they're so deep and right. not broad that right. but it doesn't matter because I'm not that deep. Like I don't know what they've talked about. So I can't counter any arguments, right? Whether it's 9-11 or vaccines or flu shots or, you know, rain dances. Like I don't think about those things because I consider i consider my time more valuable than that but are you looking down on yourself for that or no not at all i'm saying that is that's the rift like that's yeah. why i feel like this is a conversation that isn't easily like sated because i can't like i'm ill equipped to go into a conversation with somebody who believes so strongly in that position anything i say just cements the the elite perspective or stereotype, even though I feel like I'm the farthest from it. Like I, I'm just a dope in, uh, in front of a microphone, like <laughs> who sometimes brushes his hair. Like, yeah, I, I am not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not who the stereotype fulfills. You're also not really saying that you are an expert. No. Yeah. You're putting yourself, Absolutely I mean, not. you're not an expert and going back to the anti, like the distrust of experts, that I think is even more of the problem that mm-hmm. it's such an American exceptionalism form of hubris to think that a few minutes of Googling our yeah. opinions are on par with people who have spent their lives in a domain. Right. And though we are taught a lot of times that we are entitled to our own opinion. Which, of yeah. course, we are, but that doesn't mean that it deserves equal weighting, I don't think. Well, this is the, this is, I know we've talked about this, the Michael Crichton thing, Wet Streets Cause Rain. Have we talked about this? No. It's the gel man amnesia effect. <laughs> and as it, as it is, I know, right? <laughs> God, that makes me sound exactly like who I'm telling you I'm not. <laughs> um, 
the idea is uh, this. This is actually apropos of you specifically. Okay. So uh, you're you sit down to read your morning uh, news, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you go Breitbart. to the what is it? The L A Times. Let's just say you're. Is it the L A Times? You're reading the L A Times. Right part. And the first the first story is one on. Um, the entertainment industry, and you're reading about uh, studios that are wheeling and dealing or going out of business or growing or blowing up, whatever, Mm -hmm. right? And you look at that story and you think, my God, they are like the reporter is factually incorrect about something, or they've taken all these facts and they have made and created an interpretation that is not aligned with reality. That is, that's, I know because I am experienced in this domain. I have been working in this domain for 20 years. I am an expert. Okay. Right? I know that this is wrong. So there you are looking at the LA Times. You see a story. You read the story. It's wrong. You swipe to the next page. And now it's a story on um, family birth rates in LA County. And it tells you this thing. Now, you don't know anything about family birth rates in LA County, but suddenly, that story in your head is totally factual. Huh. Right? You take it like for granted that it is completely you, right you because completely I don't know anything forget- about it. Exactly. Interesting. And so because of the way the information is presented to you, because of how it looks on the page, because of the authoritarian uh, tone uh, that it is with which it is presented, it seems to carry more weight even though in the same publication, <laughs> the page before, you recognize as bunk. That's the Gelman amnesia effect. And it is really important to be aware of, I think, as consumers of media. And I think it goes into defining some of the anti-intellectual bent because the media, like the media that we consume is so filter bubbled, hmm. right? Like the stuff that we read, we read a lot of it. We think of ourselves as experts on that thing, right? Yep. But we have not read broadly. We have read deeply. deeply. That's interesting. Um, we just real quick suggestions. If you ever feel, if listeners ever feel like maybe you are, you have an anti-intellectual bent or you're seeing it in your family. There are uh, a lot of different suggestions out there of how to change. I'm just going to highlight three of them. Uh, Number one, normalize and accept the idea of not knowing everything and embrace it as motivation for growth and learning. Don't take it as an impediment. Don't take it as I am less than say I am growing to be more. Number two, I think this is the, oh, well, number three, I'll go first. Read often and broadly on subjects that may not specifically pertain to you or your work. Again, that's broad versus deep. And here's the number two one with a bullet, especially when we talk about politics or things like climate change. Number two, find comfort in changing your mind when new sound information is made available. Dismiss the notion of being wrong as hurtful to your character or social standing. If you can do that, that is 90% of the battle. Because I think that's what that's what we said. People are wearing badges. They get their backs up. We're making it so much about our identity that you can't be wrong when being wrong is beautiful. 
check out this podcast. <laughs> We're wrong all the time. <laughs> all I, the time. I quote plagiarists. I get things wrong. We <laughs> oh, couldn't start good for seven minutes because I kept sending the wrong Word document to my screen. <laughs> Pete saw that in real time. And I didn't try to, oh, stupid Microsoft Word. No, stupid me. So that's fine. Be vulnerable. Be all of that. And hopefully at some point we will go back to realizing that we call them experts because they're experts, not because they're weird supervillains that are looking down on us. That'd be a good supervillain, though, the, the WTS supervillain. Like, you know, although I did read <laughs> I did read something that said, like, who who is the supervillain of the day like right now? And I you just I mean, look at the billionaires right now that we have. They all want to send themselves to space. Yep. Uh, one of them is the like Musk is the the inheritor of a of blood diamonds in South Africa and now owns his own social network. Like right. we're all one degree from Bond villainy, right? At any any sharp turn, we could be right there with a Persian cat. We are monocle. swimming in Lex Luthor's. <laughs> yes, that's right. But we use that's them right. to get like groceries <laughs> the next <Yeah>. day. <laughs> Something is poisonous when you bite it. Something is venomous when it bites you. And when my kids were younger, we'd have to have that conversation often. That plant there, it's poisonous. That spider right there, that's venomous. Important to know the difference, even if it's only semantic, right up until you eat an angry blue-ringed octopus, which happens to be both poisonous and venomous. In all likelihood, where you are, there are troublesome things. Where I am in Oregon, I might have to battle the western rattlesnake or the black widow. We have 20 species of tick, which, while not being poisonous or venomous, does carry Lyme disease, which kind of sucks. But listener, there is a place on Earth with incredible landscapes, rich culture, and not a single poisonous or venomous creature. Heck, it doesn't even have mosquitoes. That place is Iceland. According to ReykjavikRentalCar.is, and that's not a joke, there are no animals in Iceland that are dangerous, poisonous, venomous, or harmful, no mosquitoes, no snakes, and only one species of wasp. In fact, they categorize the Arctic tern as a bit more than a mild annoyance because if you get too close, it might just swoop, dive, scream, peck, or scent droppings flying your way. If you live with any sort of pest anxiety, Iceland might just have a flag in your color. Want to send the WTS team to Iceland? It's not too late. All you have to do is become a Panic Pal. Sure, this is the last episode of Season 7, but for just $35, you can sleep soundly knowing that you're a supporter of this season. Plus, you'll still get access to your very own members-only podcast feed, chock full of member-only extended editions of our episodes, member-only episodes, our trailer archive, so much stuff. So jump in now. Support the season. And know you're also supporting the Pete and Tom Iceland Anxiety Paradise Trip Fund. Visit whatsthatsmell.net to learn more, and thank you for your support. I mean, I'm not saying we'll go. 
but I'm not saying we won't. Tom. Peter. I'm going to present you. Hi. 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 Hello. Tom, is this thing on? Yes. Hello, Pete. It's me from the podcast. The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue, the tip of the tongue, the teeth, the lips, it trips. Hi, I need to talk to you about a few different scenarios. I'm going to give you these scenarios. You're going to respond to them in the form of how you would help me cope with each of them. Copy. Is it a multiple choice or I'm just... No, you're just telling me what what you would say to me if I, if I happen to present this scenario to you. Okay. Like, for example, oh, Tom, I just lost my job. Oh, Pete, I'm so sorry. Wait, am I trying to help you or help you feel better? Yeah, like how would you help? How would you how would you respond to me? What is your natural inclination? I'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do? Okay, that was good. How about number two? I loaned my car to a friend who then wrecked it. (laughs) God, who's this friend? That sucks. Are you going to be able to get insurance or are they going to pay for it? Okay, good so far. Uh, Tom, our team sales numbers are down and they're really cracking down on me. M- my clients aren't picking up my calls. Um, oh, man, are you going to get in trouble for it? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> okay, you're, you're doing great. Nope, really? don't, don't. Okay. Tom, I have to go in for knee replacement surgery. Oh. I'm really not dealing with it well. And this is all happening to you in one week? <laughs> How are you going to get there? Your car's all We're only up. on Thursday. It's only Thursday, Tom. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Knee surgery? Um, yeah, do you knee need replacement a, surgery. Do you need a ride to or from the hospital or like food dropped off? Okay, great. Tom, I invested my retirement fund with now... <laughs> Tom, I invested my retirement fund with now disgraced crypto bro, Sam Bankman-Fried. Well, that Matt Damon ad certainly was <laughs> convincing. <laughs> So, yeah, Tom, I'm a kitten clinging to a tree, just trying to hang in there. Yep. Baby, you're doing a great job. (laughs) Oh, okay, Tom, I asked you all of these things and you passed uh, five out of six of them. Oh, okay. Because you asked me uh, questions. You asked how you could be of support, how you could be of help. And uh, then on the sixth one, you told me to be happy. I just said, hang in there, baby. Yeah. 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 Effectively. So it's a, it's a shallow pass. Uh, I'll give you a pass, but generally you, you passed, I would say with flying colors, uh, because you did all of those with, without once telling me that I should just be happy and smile through it. I'll get to the other side. I don't truck in that. Oh, I know you really don't. And I just had to prove it. I know I've known you a long time, but I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I this is a listener submission, Tom. What? A I didn't know we submission. had one of those. And let me tell you. Just let me tell you how wire. it came into me. Okay, came in from a listener who's who says uh, this is listener says, "Hey, you ever talked about toxic positivity? Ugh, <laughs> makes me so mad." And that was it. That was the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. What do you know of this toxic positive? I'm not going to lie to you, Tom. I heard that term and I didn't know what it was. I've never heard that term. I've heard toxic masculinity, but I've never heard toxic Mm. positivity. It seems like toxic positivity, is it defined as like empty positivity? Like if you say like, hey, it'll all be okay. Or keep smiling. There's Just stay positive. Just stay positive. Hey, always look on the bright side. There's no calories to that. Yeah. There's nothing right. there. 
And it just, yeah. it, it ends up sort of demeaning a version of that, which I don't, people use this, but, and so it's, this is just about me. So I don't call mm -hmm. this toxic positivity. It's toxic positivity for me. The idea of, well, it won't kill you. Oh, I've never been able to use that. Like, it, you know, uh, you know, it won't kill you. Right. No, but it kind of makes me wish it would. That's the point. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable and so unhappy. You know what doesn't sound bad? An incredibly yeah. long nap in a box. <laughs> yeah, so I've never been able to use that. I, I That is on the list, Tom. Really? Along with, hey, hey, happiness is a choice. Ew. <laughs> I know. Or how about, how about this, Tom? Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> Do you know what? No, it doesn't. No, it no, doesn't. It doesn't. My car got wrecked not for a reason. Right. That's dumb. <laughs> uh, how about just stay positive, look on the bright side. We already said those. Look those are the, the kinds side. of things that are that manifest toxic positivity that it turns out are really damaging for people. And I just want to talk about huh. because of how it's how it is referred to in the in the self-improvement kind of landscape, because it's it's different than than in how it originated. And so like you you look at why toxic positivity is harmful. It does things to you that force you in many ways to pretend that you are feeling things you are not. Hmm. Like you are trying to manifest happiness and joy in contrast to reality, which is sad and joyless at the moment, right? <laughs> yeah. We're not talking about depression, but we are talking about facing circumstances as they really are. And when you are on the receipt of toxic positivity, when somebody is telling you that everything happens for a reason, that's that can be seen as shaming. That can bring on the, shaming, the sense yeah. of shame that you're suffering and your emotions of suffering aren't valid because you don't understand that you're just a cog in the great machine and that you're, you know, you, you should be happy that this happened because this opens doors to new opportunity, right? right. Another sign of sort of toxic. And happiness is a choice makes it seem like you don't have control over yourself. Exactly. You're not doing or it you're, right. Or you're too scared to take agency in right. your own emotions and choose happiness, right? Yeah. It causes, as a result, that causes guilt, right? It can cause you to to send this message that you are, aren't, you aren't doing enough of the work to feel good about yourself, yep. right? That and and that makes you feel terrible. It it hides. It allows you to hide from authentic human emotion because people are afraid of seeing you sad, mad, scared, whatever. Yeah. Like I'm like I have to do you a favor by smiling all the time. Because <laughs> You're adding you don't, more work. Yeah. When I'm yeah, already because down. you don't want to see me mad, right? Like you don't you don't want that complication in our relationship, and uh, you know it 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 slows down our kind of emotional growth. Like sometimes pain is illustrative. Like grief can teach you, but if you're just hiding oh, yeah. from those things by smiling all the time, that whole positive vibes only mantra. Uh, can be really damaging and can prevent you from learning really valuable lessons about yourself, about who you are. Um, so uh, that's that's if you're on the receiving end of toxic positivity. So do you have people, Tom, that you feel like dish this out in your life? I think I did. I don't think I do anymore, in part because some of those people have been weeded out. <laughs> Because I crave real contact, real actual discourse. Um, yeah. 
But other people, I think, have just sort of changed. And I think I might, I'm probably giving myself way too much credit, but I think I might have been a little part of that. Because, like, my guy friends and stuff, we ask each other how we're feeling a lot. Mm -hmm. We ask each other, I'm constantly bringing up, because I don't care about numbers or proper nouns. I care about what do they make you feel? And mm -hmm. do they make you feel nervous? Is, mm -hmm. Are you struggling with that kind of stuff? And so that has really changed a lot of the discourse. I'm not saying I have, but that attitude being out there, I think, has become sort of contagious. Yeah. And so I don't right. have a lot of people. And I think I have told one or two people that it's not going to kill you is not helpful for me personally. And they mm -hmm. have never said it again. So there's also yeah. been some learning. And I usually don't point that out. I just want to I want to nip that one in the bud. I can't I can't abide yeah. it. Yeah. Right, right. But it makes us stronger, Tom. Haven't you heard? That, which <laughs> does not, not kill us. Aren't you How so strong How about you? Now? Do you have that? Well, I, uh, I feel like when I worked for a big company at big company times, uh -huh. um, I had this a lot because I was in marketing. And oh. as a result, marketing, advertising, sales, public relations, like that field is full of this. PR is just this. Is how do you smile through the pain? Okay. And uh, which should be on the front of the textbook. Um, and, and I think sales too. our entire sales culture was things are hard right now. Just you have to keep power through, keep smiling yeah. and keep pushing through it and you'll make it and you'll get the steak knives or the trip or the gold watch. And those things are motivators to keep your attitude up and not not because we're we're terrified of a team catching the virus that is reality. That is, <laughs> this company cannot live up to the promises we're asking our salespeople to make. And we don't want to face that. So we just have to create this culture of fake positivity or now a toxic positivity. In sales, is that because you are customer facing? And so you have to smile for them. I think there's a big part of that, of course. But right? then that like also you... goes that you're all smiling to each other? Yeah. Oh, weird. Yeah. Okay. Sales meetings are the worst. <laughs> they're the worst. And the thing is, that's the big, that's a big non-secret, right? Everybody knows they're the worst. Yeah. Sales meetings are terrible. I love it. Just fake. Okay. Uh, so if you are, uh, this, this is the, the sort of signs that you are toxically positive. Um, if you find yourself doing that thing, like where you're hiding your feelings, where you're not able, you have no one with whom you can talk about how you are feeling or something you're going through. That's a real problem. If you find you brush off problems easily, uh, if if you are like, if you hear the words coming out of your mouth that demonstrate you're minimizing other people's feelings, mm. that will, you know, it doesn't kill you, minimizes other people's right. feelings, right? Those, that language. Uh, and shaming other people when they don't have a positive attitude, right? Like you, you should be more positive right now. You need to send a positive message to right. your kids, your class, your team. You need to do better about like conveying positivity to your team. So, but if we take a step back to toxic positivity and, and what it is like the the more sort of psychological baseline, uh -huh. that's kind of what the self-improvement language is. Yeah. And I think this is really, this is actually interesting. The writer, uh, Susan Cain, wrote a book called Bittersweet, How Sorrow and Longing Make Us Whole. She calls it the tyranny of positivity as well as toxic positivity. <laughs> uh, and it is a cultural directive that says, whatever you do, don't tell the truth of what it is like to be alive. It is an unhealthy manifestation of this idea that 
if you are positive all the time, you will be positive all the time. Right? You see how that's like a snake eating its tail? Right. Like if you, yeah. like it's that, it, it's that, uh, it's like a power where, pose. you know, for a long time, yes, power pose, or if you're sad, you should smile because the muscle memory will create that sort of dopamine rush. Yes, I've 100% heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like that, except for it's, it, and maybe that works. Right. Right. Maybe, maybe it works. But this side of it says, this side of the whole tyranny of positivity disavows that there are negative emotions. Oh. Right. Entirely. Right. Just says there is pressure to stay upbeat no matter how dire a circumstance. Oh, right. It, it is you're hanging off a cliff and it's OK. Just look on the bright side of life. Um, when negative thoughts about anything should be avoided. And I think that's where, where it starts getting really scary. And yeah. so um, and, and that's where it leads to the language that we hear cultivated in sales teams and in, in like, uh, you know, the, the culture of um, unfailingly cheerful and positive uh, attitude of a winner. Oh, you're a winner, not a loser. Okay. Right. Yeah. Like that's that's where this is where that language comes from. And, uh, and and so it, it I think it's just really, really horrible. And so when this listener says, blech, makes me so mad, that feels like an ironically positive response right. to toxic positivity. Yeah. Go ahead. Get mad. It's gross. It is a gross thing to be to be told how to that, that you should be happy all the time without um, helping but, the process or suggesting yeah. something or. Yeah. Yeah. You're just saying yeah. change to change on a dime to bring it back. Absolutely. To bring it back to a, a topic we've talked about many times, it is, according to author Kimberly Harrington, uh, toxic positivity is emotional gaslighting. Uh. That it's it, right. It keeps coming back to how you are lying to yourself and others about how you feel and about your experience of reality. Wow. Right? Crazy. Yeah. This is the toxic most positivity. negative thing I've ever heard about positivity. <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> I want to do the opposite. I want to go around saying things like, don't turn that frown upside down. Leave it right Healthy where it negativity. is. Healthy negativity. Healthy yeah, negativity. Right. I want to leave it right, right where it is. Oh, man. Tom, it's too late in the season to really get the juices flowing like they are right now. Oh. But I feel like there is a line of what's that smell everyday wear mm -hmm. that would be useful for our listeners. Like, for example, throw pillows. Like, I see that throw pillow on my couch behind yep. me. And I think all it should say is this pillow isn't that comfortable. What's that smell? <laughs> oh, I have an idea for a poster. It's what? just a branch. <laughs> the cat didn't make it. <laughs> the cat was not able to hang in there, baby. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Reality. When reality hits uh, emotional well-being, yep. it's just a branch. It's just the cat. A branch. The cat. The cat fell. Yeah. It landed yeah. on its feet, but it was yeah. real high up, so that yeah. didn't. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Or or like a clock with like thirteen hours on it, and it just says you're going to be late anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. This could change our entire lives. I know. I feel like maybe we maybe we now know what the next season is all about. And it's just all about product ideas. Horrific products <laughs> that acknowledge the deep sadness in all of us. Well, yep. maybe that's what we should be doing. That's what we should be doing is all the things that are toxically positive, like <laughs> it won't kill you. We should just find a, find like 
we should release a what's that smell like flashcards uh-huh. that that say you're lucky it didn't kill you this time. Right. <laughs> like it could have right. killed you. It won't kill you. And you have a flashcard that says, but colon cancer might. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode and this season. This week's tune is Live in the Moment by We Are the Good. There's nothing coming up next week. <laughs> So we're not going to do anything, but we will have but some. But until the next season. But until next season, yeah. But we will have yeah. some special member episode uh, coming up, and those will be horrible. I mean, for us, they'll be great for you. <laughs> and as we said, we're going to have some exciting changes that we are really excited to share with you for next season. So stay tuned. If you haven't yet, go back and listen to some of the back catalog, and we will be back at some point in the new year. Pete, final thoughts? What's that smell? I off life in a spot though. Running at the visa, really talking to a real life Mona Lisa. Jesus pieces hanging off the fleece. So much going on, it's hard to focus on the features. I got one, too many, I'm going. Too crazy, and I got bad ones, and they ready. A good time, so now it's in the way we left us. Can't remember anything, but I know we got late. Hey, I, when we were doing the dip off in the Thanksgiving land, I burned my hand. What? So that was on Friday after Thanksgiving. I burned my hand and it still looks like this. Wait a minute. Wait, don't go anywhere. I had a. Oh, awful. Is that a problem? Like what? How do you know if something's infected? I've been putting antibacterial. No, antibiotic it like lotion. Goo, it would goo up. Like I, I think if it if it were infected, it would. Okay. It would goo up. What's that mean, goo up? Uh, like it would start pussing. Ew. Okay, it's not doing that. Okay. And it, would it smell? Because it doesn't smell like anything. Yeah. Okay, so I'm fine. I just have to let it scab over. You want to see it again?